Hello and welcome to the Radio Times Doctor Who podcast, brought to you by the team behind RadioTimes.com. We're back. It's been a while. Uh, we have not had much Doctor Who on TV to talk about, but we are back for the new Easter special. Uh, my name's Hugh. My name's Morgan. And this week, uh, I say this week, there wasn't a last week and there won't be a next week, but this time we are here, as I said, to talk about Legend of the Sea Devils, the new Doctor Who special written by Ella Road and Chris Chibnall. So uh, this is pretty unusual, this episode. Uh, we don't have a lot of Easter specials. Doctor Who does air at Easter quite a lot with um, like the 11th hour, quite a lot of series, you know, kind of do kick off around that time. And it feels right that Doctor Who airs in spring, doesn't it? Don't you think? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I do. There is something about there is something about Doctor Who airing in the autumn. I think mm. when the you know the night the nights are drawing in and it's kind of it's, it's it's got that spooky vibe about it. But also, like I quite liked something like Halloween Apocalypse going going out around about that time. Um, but then also, I do. I always think back to two thousand and five and Rose going out in in late March. And so there is something there is something about that. That, that appeals to me. So yeah, Doctor Who, Doctor Who going out Easter, big fan. I was going to say, Doctor Who fans can't agree on anything. Which season should Doctor Who go out in? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, look, I think we can all agree summer's a bad one. Don't do summer. So, don't don't do summer. The ratings will plummet. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Doctor Who's back at Easter. Um, we've not had a lot of Easter specials for Doctor Who. We've had uh, Planet of the Dead in two thousand and nine, um, and that's about it, really. I think. Uh, so yeah, this is this is pretty exciting to have Doctor Who back at Easter. Um, and like you say, it might just be my personal nostalgia from the you know the first RTD era, soon to be RTD one. Um, but yeah, I was very excited to see this Easter special. Um, I was also excited because uh, this time. We got to speak to the co-writer uh, of this episode, Ella Road, who worked on the episode with Chris Chibnall. And the reason I'm particularly excited by that is because I actually know Ella a little bit from back in the day. Um, name drop. Name drop, yeah. So, you know, obviously we're in the pocket of Big Who, um, as you've all <laughs> suspected all along. Um, yeah, you know, we're, we just collude in the background. You know, we're, we're, we, we, we secretly know the next Doctor is. We just won't tell you. We don't We don't know that. We don't know that. Um, but yeah, obviously we caught up with Ella um, to chat about how she got involved in the episode and its production. And here's what happened when we did. Full disclosure, um, mm-hmm. you and I actually know each other. A little from back in the day um and when i heard you were doing this i it sort of took me back because i remember in you know in when we were at university together i would be in my room in rock west watching you know matt smith era doctor who and you'd be out doing some very cool glamorous things and so i'm wondering <laughs> you know now we've both dovetailed together on uh doctor who i mean how did you kind of get involved in this in the first place um well uh, I guess I've been uh, interested in sci-fi and writing sci-fi for a little while. Um, so I'm not that surprised that I ended up getting called up for it. But it did feel a little bit off-brand at the beginning. So the, basically how I ended up getting involved is that um, they needed someone to come and come up with some mad story for the Easter special. And uh, one of the script editors on the project uh, knew me because she'd uh, been following my work. And we also knew each other a bit from kind of non-industry stuff as well so we kind of like yeah knew each other um she was aware of my work uh, I think some of the producers had seen a play of mine and um and yeah I got called up asking if I wanted to come and join Chris to make up a big 
romp of a story. And I said, that sounds really, really, really fun, particularly amidst COVID, uh, COVID kind of, we weren't really in lockdown at that point, but we were definitely still in weird times. So like a lot of my energy that normally had been going into theatre, I was starting to put into TV. Um, and I'd just come off the back of writing the comedy series 10% and got this call. And I was like, that is exactly how I want to spend this little chunk of my summer. And um, so I did. So was this last summer or? Last summer, yeah. So yeah, this great. was around July, I'm going to say it was June, about June, maybe May, May, May or June. Yeah. Brill. Um, and I've heard, because I, I read your lovely interview in Doctor Who magazine, um, I've heard that you were brought on fairly quickly. You know, it was pretty much, you were called, they said, are you free? And then you're there just after the weekend, right? Yeah, exactly. It was it was really, really last minute. Um, and that's kind of added to the fun of the whole thing. Um, yeah, I basically chatted to them on the phone and they were like, are you in? <laughs> we need someone immediately. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Like, so what, what's the story that I'm writing? And they were like, oh, no, the, we don't have a story. <laughs> we want you to come and make it up. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, there I was, like, suddenly on a train to, um, to Wales um, to sit in Chris's living room for three days um and um come up with some ideas so yeah I mean I I, I knew a bit about what they wanted they knew they wanted to do something nautical mm. um and they knew they wanted it to be like a big kind of epic questy romp type story um but they didn't know what it was going to be about um and they had an idea that they wanted it in World of the Sea Devils um but it wasn't a kind of like definite thing so we were given like a yeah for a very last minute job I had a pretty open slate yeah and so what did you kind of bring to the story I think Madame Ching was something that you suggested and you know kind of what else yeah um well yeah so uh, the Madame Ching thing I owe to my friend Molly so shout out to Molly um because I had I had heard of Madame Ching she's she's pretty present uh, throughout kind of uh literature and film like she even features in like Pirates of the Caribbean um, but I was chatting to my mate on the phone the week, that weekend um, between kind of getting the job and then starting the job. And um was like, oh, we're, gonna, we're going for like a kind of pirate theme. Uh, it'd be really cool to, for it not to be a dude. Um, and she sent me this um, funny little video going through a load of um, amazing pirate women from like real life pirate women from history. And then Madam Ching, I was like, oh, I've got time for her. So yeah, I brought her in. Um, it's really difficult to talk about without giving away spoilers in terms of ide- other ideas that I've brought. Um, but there's, um, in fact, I don't know if I can really say any of it, which is difficult. But okay. I definitely <laughs> had an opportunity, to be vague about it, I definitely had an opportunity to combine some of my, like, wildest sci-fi ideas, which I don't normally get to do because often the sci-fi that I work on is much more grounded. And so you have to mm. be kind of very careful about making sure that it all makes loads and loads of sense. Whereas I think in Doctor Who, even though you do have to make sense of it, because it's got that beautiful, playful energy about it, as a writer, it's a gift because you can just, um, you can engage your child brain, which is basically what Chris and I did, um, and go, okay, we want what's our wish list and how are we going to make that happen? How can we kind of um, retrofit some of the logic if we need to? Um, which you can always do because it's the imagination. So yeah, that was that was something that I definitely brought happily into the process because I feel sometimes that I don't get to do that on the other projects that I work on. 
That's great. I mean, you know, you've sort of talked a little bit about this already, but, you know, you kind of came in, there were a few ideas, you went in and talked to Chris and the script editors, and then how did the process of collaboration work? Do you kind of work on a draft, send it to Chris and he has rewrites, or he rewrites it, sends it back, or you do a few drafts? I mean, what, what's the kind of give and take? Um, so the way that this worked was um, we storyboarded it together over the three days. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly the process, but... We basically kind of created the story together. And then I went away straight away and um, started writing. Mm. And so I wrote three drafts before I handed it over to him. Um, it was a really amazing experience, actually. I'm not just saying this. Like, it's it's very rare that you get given something where you know that it's going to be on set in a mm. couple of months. Like, yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Even on other sh- things that I've worked on where I've known that there's a, like, that it's probably going to be made or that it is going to be made. The timeline of this was particularly truncated, which meant that we were all like, I was in conversations with the CGI and effects people whilst I was still writing. So, mm. you know, we were, I was on second draft or something. And then we were having a zoom with all of the incredible effects uh, people kind of creating what the sea devils looked like whilst I was writing them. Whereas normally my experience of a process is that you kind of finish the script and then you have all of those types of conversations. And so in terms of working with Chris, because he was busy doing other episodes at the same time. I don't know how he does it. He was like spilling a million plays. But um, I was writing the drafts and then getting notes from him and the script editors um, and then just turning things around very quickly, basically. Um, and then I went back to Wales to do another day of just trying to like tweak some stuff mm. in the middle of the process because we felt like we needed to um, do a bit of like structural rearranging of the story um which is just very normal in a process i mean in a way the process was quite normal it was just done at like hyper speed um and like some of the stuff was done simultaneously like the kind of effects conversations and things like that so i guess this is the sort of speed of it is because they i think chris has said quite you know publicly that charlotte moore asked him to sort of come up with another episode um which was obviously the centenary but that's jody's last episode so then he was like oh i need to put another one in yeah and he's like Get me Ella Road. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. I was like, it was like, yeah, I just got a phone call being like, do you want to come and do this? And I was like, yep. <laughs> um, and I, I like the idea that someone in an office somewhere was like, we need Ella. But I'm not quite sure if that's exactly how it went. Um, but yeah, I think one of the things that I love doing is I like making, I mean, obviously I like making up stories. That's my job. But like, I like um, the, the free, like spitball process of coming up with stuff. And I feel like that's serving me on a job that I'm doing at the moment. I'm working on a movie where I'm working with the director one-on-one most of the time. And we are just like spitballing and coming up with ideas and playing like the yes, 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 yes game. And I think that may be one of the reasons why I got the job on this is because that is kind of how I work. It's like, you've got to, you've got to kind of um, just try and be really brave and not, you know, like kids are when they're making up stories and not get kind of too precious about ideas. Um, so yeah but I think that the reason why they had to do this uh, so quickly was for the reasons that you've just described but I don't know all I know is that I was very happy to get that phone call and thank you very much Ella Um, good talking to you Um, and yeah very cool that you got to be involved in this episode so we normally on this podcast we you know would kind of delve into you know who news and this and that and there are some exciting things obviously we've got the centenary episode coming up and there's a very cool trailer 
uh, for that at the end of this episode. But you can you can read about that on RadioTimes.com. You know, just get over there, do your clicking, see what's going on there, because we're here to talk about the Easter special. Um, so, Morgan, I mean, you know, ballpark, first thoughts. What did you think of Legend of the Sea Devils? I I enjoyed parts of it, um, and I enjoyed other parts of it less. I think for me it was a bit of a mixed mixed bag, this one. Um, and I think also, I think maybe being a special, an Easter special, maybe counted against it slightly. When I when I watched it, I was thinking, if this had fallen mid-series, say, if this was episode three of a regular series, um, I think it would... I think it would. I would. I would have enjoyed it more. I think. I, I think the fact that there was such a high bar, such a level of anticipation for this one, and the fact that some of it worked really well, some of it for me worked less well. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess it did, didn't didn't quite live up to the hype. I'm a big Sea Devils fan. Big big Sea Devils fan. Um, was very excited when it was revealed that they were they were coming back. Um, and I think the, the the redesign is great. I thought they looked great. Um, I love that the the voices were sort of faithfully recreated from the from the classic series. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the episode made the best use of them. Um, it felt a little bit like they could have been any any old monster. And we, you get a, a a reference sort of quite far towards the end of the episode about what they're actually up to and what their plot is, and they're planning to flood the world or something um, so that they can so that they can take over. Um, but for me, it felt a little, that bit, that bit of it felt a, bit, a little bit garbled, a little bit rushed. I actually think you know, when, when it was announced, this episode was going to be, uh, despite being you know, a special, it was going to be regular length. It was going to be about 40, 47, 50 minutes. Um, some fans were a little disappointed. And I actually think this episode would have benefited from being a little, a little longer from maybe being a full hour. And it would have allowed, um, some of the, the the climax to feel a little less rushed. Some of the supporting characters to have a little more breathing room. So yeah, liked liked parts. Wasn't so keen on other parts. As I say, bit of a mixed bag. Uh, and maybe that's because I went into it with such a high level of anticipation with it being a special episode and with it being the return of the Sea Devils. It's quite an interesting production on this episode, I think, because um, they've sort of said, you know, you, you talk there about its sort of episode length. And I think they did talk about how there was an idea to have a pirate storyline in Flux in series 13. I'm not sure whether mm. that was pre-pandemic or post. It seems a bit unclear, but basically they had to cut it either way. Um, so then they were kind of like, oh, we could, you know, put that idea in the bag, you know, pull that out. And then this episode was originally i think originally maybe this sunday we would have been watching jodie whittaker regenerate into another doctor right if it wasn't for the bbc centenary because what happened was and chris chibnall said this in dot two magazine um charlotte moore essentially came up to him and said she's the um what is she the controller drama at bbc i just content queen of the bbc yeah I think, big basically. big boss charlotte moore you know uh the master uh of bbc stuff uh she basically said can you do a you know a centenary episode and so what they did rather than kind of regenerating jodie whittaker and then sort of being like um i don't know here's clara or something for the um for the centenary they decided to shift the big jodie whittaker regeneration episode add some bits in that kind of nods to the bbc um and then put another episode in that slot where mm. the regeneration would have been, I think. I mean, it, that basically seems to be what happened. And I think, you know, we spoke to that a little with Ella in terms of, I think that 
this episode had to be turned around quite quickly. Um, the mm. production designer um, who made the Sea Devils uh, spoke in SFX um, a little bit about this and how they basically wanted to do, like with the, um, gosh, what are they called? The the Dregs uh, mm. in uh, the 2020 series, how they wanted them to be like that with like animatronic masks and, you know, things and like that. But they did, just didn't have time. They kind of just had mm. to, they made molds from the original Sea Devil masks and then they just, like CGI'd them afterwards to make it look like they were moving a bit. Um and I think like, you know, I I I think that maybe sometimes that that production process must have been quite a challenge. Um and I do think that, you know, may I, I'm curious about the length that you mentioned. I wonder if that was part of the kind of budget they got was just for one normal episode. Mm. And maybe they kind of put more on Jody's finale and then slightly less on this, because this kind of was a bonus. In any case, you know, like we wouldn't have had this episode. So maybe they were kind of like, well, you know, we'll have that. And that's like having anything at all, you know, when we've had so much trouble with COVID is a bonus. And then, you know, we'll end on a real high with, you know, Jodie's exit and we'll have all these, you know, characters returning and all this sort of spectacle. And everyone will just kind of think about that. Also, it's such a long time until that's on. So, um, yeah. So I don't know. It, it it sounds really interesting to me. Like I found it really interesting talking to Ella, just like the the speed at which they were able to pull this together. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, know some people might... I, I'm kind of curious. What did you think about the Sea Devils kind of look in this episode and the way their mouths didn't move and stuff? I know that's kind of classic, but would you have preferred to see a bit more of an update on that? I no, actually, I know, I know it was something we talked about. I actually thought the realisation of the Sea Devils was was pretty good. I thought the, mm. the look of the Sea Devils was was pretty good. It was more for me the way they were um, used used in the story. They were quite different, actually, to how they we've seen them before. They, they, they were quite they were quite high tech Sea Devils, and they mm. were teleporting about the place. And I kind of missed, although I liked the look, I kind of miss um, the the Sea Devils in their in, in their netting that kind of more more primitive look that they had in the in the in the classic series, at least in their first. I know they they look slightly different in Warriors of the Deep, but I, I kind of like that classic look for the Sea Devils that they had in the in their first story. Um, See, so, but I but I did actually like I quite liked the the aesthetic of this story. I'd say that's one thing I did like is that it it looks very different um, to to a lot of Doctor Who stories you've, you've seen in the past. Um, you got the whole pirate theme, obviously, but also the fact that it's nineteenth century China in particular. Mm. I thought that gave it like a different a different look and a different style, a different feel um to to maybe stories we've 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 seen before um i think you know you were talking about it being this being the standalone episode that kind of comes after the uh the serialized kind of madness of, of of flux and then i know you had eve of the daleks as well um and then then you'll have the big centenary special where where everything wraps up and jody regenerates um and i think the standalone nature of it kind of worked for and against this episode because when it started I actually really enjoyed it. It was, you know, again coming off the back of of, of Flux, um, which I also which I also enjoyed, and I enjoyed the serialized nature of that. But I quite liked that the TARDIS was just arriving somewhere, and mm. the gang were just going out on an adventure and just, oh, where are we? And you know, investigating. And I quite, quite like the, simpl- the simplicity of that. Um, but then I think also for me, the, some of the strongest parts of the episode were where it touched in on the the ongoing arcs, and it was less about what was happening in this particular um, episode. There's not, there's not a huge amount of, it doesn't touch massively on the fact that the Doctor's about to regenerate. There's certainly nothing, you know, even something like Planet of the Dead, which is, I guess, its closest equivalent, 
um that you know that 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 had the the, the four knocks and it kind of you know set set the ball that had a spooky there. lady being like "Ooh, you're gonna die soon <laughs> yeah which which we got we we got in um in the vanquishers didn't we at the end of yeah, yeah. kind of have you've we had that moment already i guess so maybe that would have been you know overkill to have someone say oh yeah don't forget still gonna die but um <laughs> i i felt i felt where this episode did subtly touch on that stuff i think particularly the end scene between the doctor and yaz which i'm sure we'll talk more about the doctor and yaz in this episode um but the end scene where the doctor says oh i want this to go on forever you know that's partly because she's just had that conversation with yaz about the fact that they can't be together forever but i think it's also partly that, that it's it's slightly hints at the fact that there is something on the horizon and there are forces gathering that are coming for the doctor I do find it kind of interesting, actually, as I don't think it's intentional, but obviously, generally speaking, in New Who, certainly, we've tended to see Doctors regenerate in specials. So, you know, there's often a bit of a, a run-up before it, and they sort of tease it. I mean, obviously, Christopher Eccleston didn't, but I think all the others have. And um, that's actually kind of interesting to see. I don't quite know how to explain it, but I like the idea of the adventure before the sort of final adventure is in like the day before the doctor regenerates is just a kind of normal day for the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just like, you just like, I kind of like that idea that like that adventure just goes off normally. And the fact that there wasn't like some big looming thing over it is actually yeah. quite interesting well, because normal we're so used to it being like, you know, when Peter, it was like, Oh, like with Peter Capaldi, he was regenerating for about five episodes. You know what I mean? Like they were like, they had yeah. him regenerate several yeah. times in that series. Um, I think it's tough. Now. I think it's tough now because you, 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 there's no room for being low key um, in, mm. in modern, not, I was going to say modern doctor, but even modern drama, I think you, you kind of have to give it that, that, that weight and that sense of importance. You have to have that huge build up, and it has to be like, you know, the, the, the star of this show, this big show is leaving and you have to make it a big deal. So I, so I get why they do that. Um, but I, but I think there's a reason, one of the reasons why people love Caves of Androzani, Peter Davison's last story is because that just feels like a normal adventure that goes wrong. It's, it's like yes. everything, everything's the same, except this time the doctor doesn't get away and doesn't get away with it. And I think there's something quite nice and kind of poetic about that. Um, but, but yeah, I really like I that idea. I, I wish, I kind of wish they'd do that again. I feel like, yeah. I feel like but, that would feel quite. You know, obviously back then it was it was you know pretty transgressive, and I feel like now it would feel just the same because mm. you know there's new beats, uh, well the same beats, but you know new versions of the same beats have been kind of established, and to sort of subvert them in that way, I think could be quite an interesting thing to do. Mm. But I but I think I think I don't know if you can do that now as much as I would think mm. it would be interesting. I think you kind of need to have it's a big special, and there are all, yeah. the, all the monsters and all and and you know this character shows up and that character shows up, and it's all it's a big payoff. I don't. I think you kind of need to. I think that's just how modern drama is made. You know, um, I think quite often, strangely on this podcast, we refer to Line of Duty as kind of like a touchstone of like yeah. a modern <laughs> a modern drama that's not Doctor Who. But you know, Line of Duty couldn't just have a series and then just something happens at the end. It has to like build and it has to pay off. You know, everything that it's kind of set up and all the clues and all the teasers and uh, all the foreshadowing. And I, I think that's just how how contemporary like drama with any kind of serialization works. I kind of now though want to see a Line of Duty special like at Christmas or New Year where they sort of try to do a big one-off corruption story in like an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like they fix it all within the hour and then, like, you know, there's Christmas is involved in some way. I feel like that would be great. <laughs> Line of Duty Christmas special. Yeah. If, if Charlotte Moore is listening, that's our pitch. Yeah. And, and I assume she always is. Uh, <laughs> of you know, course. 
Another fan one. of the show, yeah. friend of the show. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you obviously also we should we should touch on probably the biggest kind of serialized bit in this episode is the Doctor and Yaz, um, Thasmin, um, you know, which is very mainstream now. It used to be quite a fringe thing, and now it's very mainstream. But um, I was kind of interested because I had sort of you know obviously this was picked up in Eva the Daleks and. There was talk, we spoke to Mandip at the Radio Times covers party and she said, you know, oh, it's going to, you know, be developed. And they sort of said that. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, maybe they'll sort of touch on it. I was surprised by how big a part of the episode it was. I I really kind of also, I guess, because of the... um, because of the fact the production of this being kind of an extra insert, I was thinking maybe they would save that for the finale. But actually, it was kind of the emotional heart or at least the main emotional sort of beat of the episode right was the doctor and yaz kind of feeling their way towards being honest with each other at least about how they felt yeah i think well i think because this episode is quite fast paced and it does kind of rock it along and so you, i i you don't spend a huge amount of time with with the supporting cast i don't i didn't feel like a huge emotional attachment to any of them although I, the performances mm. were, were 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 fine um so i think you this was an episode where the the heart of it did come from from the leads the characters you're already already familiar with and although actually if you sort of stop and think about it those scenes are you know there's probably like you can count on one hand the amount of minutes that that's spent you know with the doctor and yaz discussing mm. their feelings there's the very brief moment where they go to the bottom of the ocean and the doctor makes that sort of thoughtless comment about being a being a good date um and then they they chat about it again later when you know when the doctor's trying to stop the sea devils from uh, from flooding the planet it's the perfect time to talk about you, you know your, your dating life and uh i was a bit past. like could this wait could this wait <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then of course there's the, there's the scene at the end so it's not it's not a huge amount of sort of screen time spent on it but what i was surprised by was where it went because i was having had yaz confess to how she feels about the doctor i was expecting the doctor to sort of say i'm you know, I'm an alien, I don't do that sort of thing, or I can't mm. do that sort of thing. And where they went, which I wasn't expecting, was to more or less straight out um, admit that the Doctor has feelings for Yaz. That's what yeah. I was not expecting, for them to say, do you know what, I would, I would, but I can't. I thought it would just be a, a, like, I'm a Time Lord, I'm mysterious, I don't do that sort of thing, we can't go on dates. I thought it would be more that kind of thing, and it, and it wasn't. It was like, flat out, no, I do feel the same as you, but I but I can't do it for for these other reasons. And it was a kind of a similar situation to um similar discussion put me in mind of school reunion where mm. um Rose is kind of grilling the tenth doctor about his relationship with her and his relationship with Sarah Jane. And he says, Oh, it's the curse of the Time Lords, you wither and you die, I live forever. We can we can never be together. And it's kind of it's kind of a, a similar vibe here. But like I say, it was the 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 admission from the doctor that that surprised me. I'm I'm I was pleasantly surprised that they went there. I'm glad they went there. Yeah, same. I I found it a little. I wasn't quite sure because I obviously thought the same. You know, made the same connection with school reunion and the Doctor's general vibe, just being like, "Well, obviously you will age and I'll die." And then that's why in um, gosh, I forgot my name. Uh, Journey's End. In Journey's End, you know, they send Rosa Doctor that will age and die. Like, way, hey. yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday. Uh, so I do think. I wasn't quite sure if that was what was being said in this episode because the doctor says sooner or later it'll hurt and it was mm. quite vague. So I was kind of like, is she just saying, oh, I can't get involved in a relationship because 
I'm scared. And I thought that was a bit strange because obviously she's a you know time traveling alien. And it kind of I was a little bit unsure, but it's interesting that you took it as meaning that because it definitely could. It was just kind of I feel like it kind of left the door open for there to be some other reason. I don't know. I don't know if you quite understand what I, I mean, but no, I, I just like the idea that the Doctor's not scared of Daleks and Cybermen. The only thing she's scared of being vulnerable is um, love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, well, I think there's there's so many ways you could interpret it. Actually, so there is, mm. like you said, it's just like I could get hurt. We, but yeah, but I think there's also that school reunion vibe of you know I I will live for billions of years, you won't. So that that's bad. And but the other thing of like how this relationship might end badly is the the impending regeneration which of course the doctor knows mm. about or or the doctor thinks um her death actually that's it wasn't said you know it was explicitly said you won't regenerate and of course she will but like it was said you won't regenerate you will die so it could just be that the doctor thinks that she's going to die soon and that's another reason why she doesn't want to get involved with yaz um because because it's like well we we don't have much time left which is which again i think that interpretation of it is maybe given a little weight by the end scene where the doctor says can't we just say something along the lines of you know can't it just stay like this for as long as we have implying yeah. that their, their time is actually limited not not it won't go on for the rest of yaz's life actually their time is is running out see i hadn't thought of it in those terms at all like i'd sort of forgotten the end of flux where the doctor was you know i i, I as in i knew i knew that was there but i kind of didn't connect it to this in terms of it makes it seem less like because when i watched it, i was a bit like is this the doctor being a bit you know, selfish or self-centered. Naturally, you can read it more as like the doctor is worried about Yaz because so often that that thing that we talked about in school reunion is centered more on the doctor in terms of oh, it would be really hard for me in that I will mm. watch you die. Whereas in this, it's like no, this would be hard for you in that you know I think I'm going to die quite soon. So mm. um, I mean, I think Yaz would be upset either way. So I'm not really sure quite what. <laughs> not the, great. But it's not, either way, it's not great. But it's it, it makes more sense. It's a more recognisable instinct, I think, because I think a lot of people would have a similar reaction. Like if there was, you know, if you felt like you weren't going to be around, you might not want someone to kind of invest that mm. kind of level of attachment in you because you might feel, you know, guilty about it. Um, but that would be really interesting. I mean, the thing that I'm really interested in as well is there's a hint in this episode. We haven't mentioned Dan, by the way, John Bishop as Dan, who wears a lovely pair of curtains as a waistcoat throughout this episode. Um, we were talking about this before. It seems like, you know, it's almost like the series would be teeing up Dan to leave in that he's talking to Diane, who's forgiven him for her being kidnapped by aliens that Dan had never met. Which, uh, which, 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 I, which I hope you're happy because I know you were like, the injustice that's being inflicted on Dan at the end of Flux, this is outrageous. So, I'm, yeah. so I, I hope you're happy that Diane has now forgiven him. It was so bizarre. It was like, if only, <laughs> if, if, if I'd met you, you, you know, if you weren't late, I wouldn't have been put in this jail. And I was like, well, Dan was like captured by a different alien. Like, what's, the, oh, I don't know. Look, she I'm not going to get into this. She still hasn't apologised. She just sort of said, I forgive you. Like, you forg- how, how dare you? How For dare what? you, <laughs> What did yeah. he do? What was he supposed Lovely to do? Dan. He got captured. Oh, my days. <laughs> anyway, um, that, so we'd normally be saying, oh, yeah, that's teeing up him leaving. And we were actually talking about that. And I was like, well, obviously he's leaving anyway, because <laughs> it's like, I thought that in this episode, well, I originally thought he might not be in this episode, like, ages ago. I and mean, obviously we've known for a while that he was. Um and then I thought, oh, maybe he'll leave at the end of this episode and then he'll come back right at the end of the next episode. But he's still in the TARDIS, like, mm. trio at the moment. So I'm kind of interested in how they're going to, A, write him out. I guess maybe they're teeing out with the Diane thing. And B, how on earth are they going to write Yaz out of this? Because I find it really difficult to see how they can kind of... Because every companion has generally wanted 
to leave right in the sort of new era or something horrible has happened to them and they've sort of been given a life where they can kind of they're not allowed to see the doctor for some reason (laughs) you know like because of secret memories or because um you're dead but not yet because of a raven you know yeah well there was there was there there was um there was clara who Mm. died and then was resurrected in some form and then traveled time and space with her her new life partner and then there was bill who was uh who, who died and then was resurrected in some form and then traveled time and space with her new life partner um, um, <laughs> um but yeah no I, yeah it's it's going to be interesting i can't you can't see right any kind of any version that works or feels authentic where after all this after everything that yaz has said and done she just goes actually i've had enough now i'm off unless unless it's like a unless it's like a martha situation yeah that's that's the where, one where, parallel where i can says, see yeah i can't i can't do it because it hurts too much and i'm out but uh, yeah but that that would be quite sad because like Mar- martha came back and martha martha got over it whereas like it doesn't feel like there's immediately going to be the the same capacity because it's a new showrunner and so on for for yaz to come back but it, it does feel like it's it's like break up or death at this point as much as i hate to, mm. or, or at least some you know some form of doctor who death where it's um you're still alive but you can't be in the TARDIS for for some reason some reason yeah yeah yeah. there's a little robotic worm in your brain and if you see a blue box you will die yeah yeah (laughs) Ah, put that by the master that fiend (laughs) yeah exactly yeah that kind of classic doctor who thing that will almost almost certainly happen but it will be interesting to see um yeah just to see where it goes definitely yeah i mean I, i i could see it as something like you know the the doctor does something to save yaz and then in the process of that regenerates and then maybe yaz thinks the doctor is dead and then the doctor isn't the same doctor anymore but then i feel like you can't really do that because it has to be you can't have a new doctor for that long assuming that we see them in you know we are kind of assuming we'll see them in the centenary because that makes sense but you never know um so i don't know i i'm really curious as you say to see how they do it i feel like it's going to be controversial whichever way i mean i think as soon as you start um going down this territory you sort of rub up against quite harmful tropes the bury your gaze thing and so on so i feel like they're going to have to tread very carefully i'm sure that they've thought about this because they've been very aware of the sort of fan interest in this storyline i mean that's the reason it exists right it wasn't planned so um yeah it'd be interesting to see that i'm more interested weirdly i mean i suppose this is a good thing i'm more interested in that than i am about how Jodie regenerates or you know whether the master's coming back or whatever (laughs) like i'm like what's gonna happen to yaz (laughs) Well, I think because we've, uh, as as you know, as interested and excited as I am for all that, all that stuff to happen, we we have seen a variation on it before. Whereas this feels like this feels like to a degree, um, un- like uncharted territory, untrodden ground. And for Doctor Who, that's rare because it's been on for you know sixty years almost, and that to find a, a new angle on something or something fresh or something the show hasn't tackled before in any form, um, or at least not quite in this form. Um, yeah, I think that's why it's so it's so exciting and interesting. And I think that's why for me it was it was the best part of this episode because it felt like the bit that was the the most that was the most fresh and exciting and new. Definitely, I agree with that. I think I don't think anyone could argue that that was probably the best part of the episode was the Doctor and Yaz stuff. Um, although I'm sure Doctor Who fans will argue that. Uh, so if you do feel differently, let us know. Uh, you can tweet us at Radio Times um or you know shout into the void uh scream out your window well, we might hear uh, or you know or you could you know contact us on facebook on radio times as well uh, there's a few options um yeah so i believe uh we may do more of these podcasts towards the doctor who 
centenary special, uh, but that's about six months away. So, you know, if you do like hearing us talk about Dr. Hill and these things, let us know. Uh, we appreciate the feedback. And, you know, if the feedback is no, stop doing it. Uh, well, you know, but fine, that's easy for us to do, but we won't. We'll, we'll, we'll keep doing it, even if we don't put it out. Just Morgan and I will do Zoom calls and talk about, you know, the timeless child. Uh, <laughs> this is just this is just how our conversations go anyway. We just won't record it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we just, sometimes we, yeah, someone comes in and presses record and then we're like, oh, oh, is this a podcast? Oh, okay. Oh, we'll do an intro. Oh, you caught, yeah, you caught us. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I actually introduce all my conversations with hello and welcome <laughs> to the Tattoo Podcast from Radio Science. So it's handy that they started recording it because it makes me look a bit yeah. less strange. Um, anyway, until whatever time we are back again talking about this, thank you for listening to our review of Legend of the Sea Devils and chat about Doctor Who in general. Uh, I have been Hugh Fullerton. I've been Morgan Jeffrey. And now we're off to walk the plank. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Thanks for listening to our Doctor Who podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode. And for more brilliant Doctor Who content, check out radiotimes.com.